Lord God, we pray along with your apostle Paul that you would fill us with wisdom and insight, that we would walk in wisdom, Lord, and that you would use us to bear fruit as your gospel is bearing fruit in the world. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Well, good evening. Uh, my name is Chris Myers. I'm the associate rector here at St. Bartholomew's. Uh, Jay Wright, our rector, is taking some well-needed time off this July. So I am delighted to have uh, my friend Eric Willits with us tonight. Eric is a priest in McKinney where he's um, helping to plant a church called Holy Trinity. And we have his wife with us and some of the people from their parish. So uh, be sure to welcome them. And we're really glad to have them as, as guests tonight. So when we approach the Bible, sometimes it's hard and it's confusing and we don't really know what's going on. And there are a lot of reasons for that. And one of them is that it's ancient and it's written in a time and a place that's very different from our own and has different cultural concerns and focuses. But another reason that it's hard is we don't often hear it with the right ears. We're meant to hear the New Testament especially, and especially Paul's writing here, through, we're supposed to hear the New Testament through Old Testament ears. We're supposed to have Old Testament ears that hear the New Testament because they're in conversation with each other. And one of the reasons that we do all of the readings that we do is to help attune your ears to that relationship between the Hebrew scriptures and what we call the New Testament. So tonight, I hope, is an exercise in learning to hear the New Testament through Old Testament ears in what Paul prays for the church of, in Colossians, of the, in the letter that we know as Colossians. If we look at his prayer, and you can uh, turn to it in your bulletin, Paul prays this amazing thing uh, for this group of Christians that he's never even met. He knows them by reputation. Um, he says, you are, you are people of faith, hope, and love, which is Paul's way of saying, you, you're people of the faith. You're people who have responded to the gospel. And then he goes into this prayer, starting in verse nine. So from the day we heard, heard that you are people of the faith, people who have believed, people of faith, hope, and love. We have not ceased to pray for you. And then he asks these things. He says, I want you to be filled with knowledge of his will and spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So he's talking about knowledge and spiritual wisdom, but he's talking about it in terms of the Hebrew scriptures, not in the Greek mindset. And he's trying to reprogram um, their way of thinking. So Paul connects two things that we often want to separate, which is sort of theoretical knowledge and practical knowledge. <laughs> he says, I want you to be filled with knowledge. And we hear that and it's like, oh, that's, he wants to be filled, them to be filled with information about God. He wants them to be filled with true propositions about who God is and who Jesus is. And Paul doesn't want less than that, but he absolutely wants more than that. And he wouldn't even think of it in those terms because he's thinking about wisdom or knowledge in terms of wisdom. And he's saying, to walk in this way of wisdom is to walk in a fruitful way. And it's a circle that he's talking about. He says, there's knowledge and you're filled with that. You can bear fruit. And when you bear fruit, you grow in your knowledge of God. So he's bringing things together that we often separate. So Paul 
is concerned not simply with what they believe, but how they are going to live in light of what they believe. And more than that, he's concerned with how they are going to live in light of what God has accomplished for them in Christ. And we have this beautiful summation of the work of Christ in the closing verses that we have before us. It says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It's an, it's an encapsulation of what Paul has gone all over the world preaching of what Jesus has accomplished. So he wants them to believe true things, but he wants them to believe true things so that they live in a true way because of what Christ has done. Or to use Paul's language, he wants them to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and he wants them to bear fruit in every good work. That's the way that he sums it up. He's saying basically, you've been given a path, now walk it. And this language of path and walking, it's all over the Psalm that we had. It's in the reading from Deuteronomy. It's what God gives us as a way of walking, a way of being in the world. So he says, you've been given a path, now walk it. He says, you've been planted as a seed, now bear fruit in keeping with what you really are. And this is where the Old Testament ears come in because this is pretty much what Moses is saying to Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 30, which was our first reading. In that passage, Moses is speaking for the last time to the people of Israel before he will leave them, before he will die and they will enter the land of promise. They've been delivered from sin. They've been delivered from slavery. They've come to the edge of the land of promise, the land of inheritance, the land of fruitfulness. And Moses speaks to them similarly to the way that Paul speaks to the Colossians. He's saying to them, you've been delivered from the domain of darkness. It was called Egypt. Now you can walk in this other way, walk in this fruitful way, in this land of promise, this land of inheritance. And again, Paul is drawing on language of inheritance. He says, you have an inheritance, your children of light. So in Deuteronomy 30, what does Moses say? He says, the Lord will make you abundantly prosperous in all the work of your hand, in the fruit of your worm, in the womb, in the fruit of your cattle, in the fruit of your ground. I'm going to make you fruitful, the Lord says to his people. He says it to his people in Israel. He says it to his people in the city of Colossae. We have to hear what Paul is saying through these Old Testament ears. And what Moses goes on to say is, hey, there's this law and it is a path. It's a path that you can walk and you can choose life or you can choose death. And his question is, will you choose life by walking in the ways of the Lord? Or you choose death through the worship of idols. There is a path of life and a path of death. How are you going to walk? And that's Moses' question. And that's Paul's question too. And it's the question before us tonight. How are we going to walk? Are we gonna walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we are called? And what Paul commends to us in this letter is a path of wisdom, which leads to fruitfulness. So what I wanna do is look at what he means by wisdom and what he looks, look at what he means by fruitfulness. And then I'll be done. Just two points, not even three. So there you go. It's a summer sermon. It's two, two points, not three. So when Paul talks about wisdom, he has a Hebrew vision of wisdom, not a Greek vision of wisdom. He's trying to situate his, this church and us as the church within the story of Israel. And he's recalling for them the story of Exodus, this transfer of domains, right? You people of Israel were in the domain of darkness called Egypt and you were delivered out of slavery, out of bondage into the land of promise. 
And Paul is saying, that's what Jesus has done. He's accomplished a new exodus. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and he's bringing us into a new land of promise and fruitfulness. And wisdom is how you live into that inheritance. It's how you live into that reality. How am I gonna live in light of what God has done? That's what wisdom is. And wisdom is this deep reality in the Old Testament. Um, A few weeks ago, we had the reading from Proverbs 8 on Trinity Sunday. And it's this idea of wisdom speaking, being personified and saying, the Lord possessed me at the beginning. I was with the Lord in the making of all things. The way that Proverbs 3.19 puts it is, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. Meaning that creation itself has something to do with wisdom. That wisdom is knit into the fabric of creation. So it is a way of life. It's the way things are. And so when we walk in wisdom, we're living in harmony with the way that God made things to be. We're going with the grain of things. So the wise person in Proverbs goes with the grain of things and the foolish person goes against the grain of things. And when you go against the grain of something, you get splinters. And fools have a lot of splinters. That's, what, that's like Proverbs in a sentence. So there you go. That's for free. But what this means, that it, in a Hebrew vision of wisdom, it's not ethereal. It's very concrete, down-to-earth vision of what wisdom is. And it's compared to walking. We might think of it more as driving because we don't walk that much. So I'll talk about driving instead of walking. So we want to learn to walk in a manner worthy. It's something like learning to drive the conditions of the road. That's what wisdom is. There are all sorts of roads that you've never driven before, but you know how to drive on them. If you see certain signs, you know how fast to drive. You know that you shouldn't turn certain ways on one-way streets or it could end badly. You know if you see a pothole, you shouldn't drive over it. What a fool does is says, this pothole is different than that other pothole. It's not going to bottom out my car and explode my tire. I'm going to drive over it. A wise person says, you don't drive over potholes. That's what Paul means by wisdom. He's saying it's a manner of walking. It's a manner of being in the world. It's learning to drive the conditions of the road. It's learning to live in the world as we find it. We find ourselves every day, every week in situations, talking to people that we haven't talked to before, but we have manners, a way of interacting with them. Like, oh, this is this kind of person and I probably shouldn't tell them too much because they're gonna go tell somebody else. You know, we learn how to interact with people and that's what Paul is talking about related to wisdom. And what he's saying is that walking in this way leads to fruit in our lives. When we walk in the way of wisdom, it leads to fruitfulness. So a very simple example is if you wisely learn how to invest money, you end up with more money, right? And there are principles, wise principles for investing money. You don't, we have little proverbs and sayings that go with that. You don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? That's a folksy way of saying, diversify your portfolio. (laughs) You don't want to put all of your money into one thing. Proverbs talks about that. Ecclesiastes talks about that. It's a wise way of dealing with money. And if you do that, then your money can multiply. It can become fruitful. 
or thinking of a farmer. A wise farmer is inevitably a fruitful farmer. A wise farmer knows when to plant, when to water, when to harvest, when to leave things fallow, when certain things need rest, how to rotate crops, which animals help this animal and create an ecosystem. And that wisdom leads to fruit, right? He ends up with a crop. This wise way of living, this manner of walking, this driving the conditions of the road leads to fruitfulness. And that's what Paul is saying. He prays for this church. I want you to be filled with knowledge and wisdom so that you can walk in a manner worthy and as you walk in a manner worthy that you might be fruitful. And again, when Paul is talking about fruitfulness, he has an Old Testament vision of fruitfulness. Think of the promised land. It's a fruitful land. That's what Moses said in Deuteronomy 30. And in the Old Testament, one of the images for God's people is as a vine. You're meant to be fruitful. You're meant to bear fruit. It's learning to listen to the New Testament with Old Testament ears. And here's an example for you. How many of you have watched Stranger Things? It's okay. You can admit it, right? Okay. You have to watch Stranger Things with 80s eyes, okay? Stranger Things will make a certain amount of sense if you don't know pop culture from the 80s, but it won't make as much sense as it could if you've seen Back to the Future and The Terminator and Invasion of the Body Snatchers and <laughs> uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind and play Dungeons and Dragons and basically are a nerd. If you are a nerd, then Stranger Things makes way more sense than it would otherwise. You have to watch Stranger Things with 80s eyes. You have to listen to the scriptures with Old Testament ears. So when Paul says fruit, he's saying, hey, think of the promised land. Think of the wisdom literature. Think of Psalm 1. Who is the wise and blessed one? He's the one who what? Does not walk in the path of the wicked. He's the one who meditates on the word of the Lord. And what is he? He's like a tree that what? Bears fruit in its season. There's this connection, deep connection between wisdom and fruitfulness. And Paul wants those that he's writing to, to hear that, to walk wisely and to bear fruit. And what is that fruit? Well, in Galatians, he gives us this long list and you probably know it, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. In this context, he's saying the fruit is faith, hope, and love. It's endurance. It's patience. It's steadfastness in the face of suffering. He says basically, fruitfulness is looking like Jesus, the fruitful one. And more than that, he says, we're gonna look at something that's already bearing fruit in your midst, and that's the gospel. This is what he says in verse six. He says, the gospel which has come to you as indeed the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing. So the most fruitful thing, the reason that they even exist, the reason that there is a church to write a letter to is that there's this thing called the gospel that has taken hold of them and that it is bearing fruit. And as I said earlier, Paul sums up what the gospel is in these very verses. And he says of God that he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's, Paul has many of these gospel in a sentences throughout his writings. This is one of them. This is a, the gospel in a sentence, to be delivered out of darkness into light to be redeemed, to be forgiven 
of sins. He's saying, in effect, we are called to be a wise and fruitful people because there is a fruitful gospel. Because Jesus has accomplished this thing, we can bear fruit in our lives. And that's what makes this different than that moment when Israel stood at the cusp of the promised land. Because that story didn't end very well. They went into the land. And there were times and seasons when they walked in the manner that they should. But for the most part, they didn't. And what did it end in? It ended in exile. They were purged from the land. And they came back, but it never was exactly what they'd hoped for. It was never exactly what the prophets had said that it would be until this one comes who provides a new exodus. So Paul is saying, hey, that story is really important. And Jesus is, has done it again, and he's done it to this level. He's delivered us once and for all from the domain of darkness. And we need to look to him and we need to look like him because he is the one who is wisdom itself. And this is what Paul will go on to talk about in, in the book of Colossians is that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are what? Hidden in Christ. And that Jesus is the firstborn of creation, that he is wisdom itself. And again, this is down to earth. This is driving the conditions of the road. This is, Jesus is the wise one because he lived life exactly as it was supposed to be lived. And think of Jesus' call to us. It's a call to walk, right? Come follow me. I'm gonna walk this way. Let me show you how I walk. Let me show you how to walk in the manner worthy of the calling. But even Jesus' wisdom is a sort of backwards wisdom. And this is what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, that the wisdom of God is foolishness to us sometimes because the way that he ends up delivering us from the domain of darkness is through his death. And we would think of death as foolish and we would think of death as being the opposite of fruitfulness. But Jesus himself says, no, death is fruitfulness. The way he puts it in John chapter 12 is, truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So Jesus is wisdom itself. Jesus is fruitfulness itself. The way he puts it evocatively in John 15, he says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. So we can start thinking about, well, I wanna be wise, I wanna be fruitful, and if we disconnect it from Jesus, then we're gonna end up nowhere. And that's a little bit of what was happening to the church that Paul is writing to. They were getting off on these other things. They were getting into their spiritual practices. They were getting into, he'll say later, worshiping angels and um, being as hard on their bodies as they could through these ascetical practices, and they lose this connection with the one who is the vine, the one who is fruitfulness and wisdom itself. So sometimes it's, it's easy to hear Paul's exhortations and say, well, I can't do that. Well, that's part of the point, but there's still this call to be as Jesus was and we have to connect with him. So the question for us is still the same question is how will you walk? But the answer is, will you follow the one that says, come and follow me? Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Come follow me, come and see. All these exhortations, these invitations that Jesus gives us to show us this manner of walking in a way that is worthy of the Lord. This is the great theme of this season of the church that we're in, 
which we call ordinary time. It concentrates on the ministry of Jesus, the things that he did, so that we can look at him and say, what did he do? How did he respond? What did he say? We see it in the Good Samaritan. He reframes this whole question, right? This question is asked, how, who's my neighbor? And Jesus says, no, that's the wrong question. Who is a neighbor? Are you neighborly? The Samaritan was neighborly. The priest wasn't, the Levite wasn't. So when we walk after Jesus, we start to see life in this different way. We start to see the road and the conditions of the road in a different way. And we learn to drive it in the way that he drives it. And we learn to be fruitful in the way that he is fruitful. So again, I leave you with the question, how will you walk? Will you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord by following the one who says, come follow me? Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word and we thank you um, for its richness of imagery and the way that you speak certain themes over and over and over again. Um, And I know you do that because sometimes we're slow to hear. (laughs) I know I am. So I pray, Lord, that you would... um, that you would plant your word as a seed in our heart. Jesus, as you say in your parable of the sower, that the word would be planted in our heart and that it would grow and that it would be fruitful and that it would bear fruit even a hundredfold. And we ask this in the name of your beloved son. Amen.